Healthy and much painful work, Gabby has prevailed over the injury to her brain. We have shared joy and frustration, wins and losses along the way. Doctors, friends, family, and Americans everywhere helped us through the hardest moments, and they remain essential to my wife's continued well-being. All along the way, Gabby's ongoing recovery has compelled us to ask larger questions that confront us as a nation. And time and time again we return to the subject of guns. What can we do to protect innocent Americans from the mass shootings that have become so commonplace in the years before and after Gabby was shot in Tucson? These tragedies are forever imprinted into our national consciousness. Virginia Tech, Aurora, Newtown, the Washington Navy Yard, Fort Hood. And these are only recent examples. Mass shootings, however, mask the toll of everyday gun violence that is horrifying in its banal frequency. More than 31,000 Americans died by gunfire in 2010, over a third of these homicides. Add non-fatal wounds and you have a national nightmare, one that makes our country stand out in the worst ways. The U.S. rate of firearm homicide for children ages 5 to 14 is 13 times higher than in any other developed nation. Our gun murder rate is about 15 to 20 times the average of countries like France, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom. Why does this keep happening? Why are we just sitting back and watching while more and more innocent Americans lose their lives to gun violence? Gabby and I started to wonder if perhaps reasonable people, the overwhelming majority of us after all, might be able to band together to make our country less dangerous. We began to ask ourselves, what can we do to keep guns out of the hands of people who cannot be trusted with firearms? How can we preserve the rights of law-abiding citizens to own guns for hunting and self-protection while keeping them away from criminals and the dangerously mentally ill? How can we give law enforcement the tools it needs to stop guns from being traded illegally by unscrupulous dealers, to bring criminals to justice by tracking guns used in crimes, and to make it harder for known stalkers and domestic abusers to acquire guns? After Tucson and the shootings that have followed, Gabby and I have returned to these questions again and again. She and I had dedicated our lives to public service out of love and duty. Our work is not yet done. Gabby entered politics in 2000 when she was elected to the Arizona House of Representatives. Then, at just 32, she became the youngest woman elected to the Arizona Senate. The voters of Tucson and Arizona's 8th Congressional District elected her to Congress in 2006. They re-elected her in 2008 in 2010. As Congress convened on January 6, 2011, Gabby read the First Amendment of the Constitution on the House floor. Two days later, she was shot in the head. I joined the United States Navy and started flight school in 1986 in Pensacola. I qualified as a sharpshooter while at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy and later as an expert marksman in the Navy. I flew 39 combat missions over Iraq and Kuwait in the first Gulf War. 
I went on to become a test pilot and then an astronaut, piloted two space shuttle missions, and commanded two more, and spent more than 50 days in space. After the Tucson shooting, Gabby and I kept discussing different paths of public service we might pursue. No matter where the conversation started, we found that we inevitably returned to the same subject, gun violence. Now, Gabby and I had never had any quarrel with the Second Amendment. Quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Unquote. My wife and I have always believed deeply in that principle, and we see no need to infringe on that right. We are proud to be among the 34% of American households that reported owning guns in 2012. I occasionally hunt.